Hello, before we get started on this week's episode, I have a little request. If you're enjoying Deep Dive, then please share it with someone you think might like it, or give us a rating or review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. So, very briefly, and I don't normally get guests to introduce themselves, but I think this is a bit of a special occasion. Hiro, could you tell me who you are and what you've recently done? My name is Hiro Iwamoto, and uh, I am first totally blind sailor who did the sailing across the Pacific. And in the room uh, with us today, we also have Doug Smith, who is your seeing eyes. Is that the correct way? Uh, yes. So a totally blind sailor and seeing eye dog. No, seeing eye dog. <laughs> That's our catchphrase. Totally blind sailor and seeing eye dog. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Deep Dive, a podcast looking beneath the surface of Japan and every now and then keeping a weather eye on the horizon. I'm Oscar Boyd. You've just been listening to the voice of Hiro Iwamoto, who, on April 20th, 2019, became the first blind man to sail the Pacific non-stop, completing a 55-day journey across the world's largest ocean. On today's episode, Hiro and his companion on the trip, Doug Smith, tell us all about their voyage, as well as Hiro's remarkable journey from his first attempt to cross the Pacific in 2013, which ended in disaster and shipwreck, to his recent triumph. We start this episode, though, at the beginning of the story, when a teenage hero first began to lose his sight. Before we get into it, just a note to say that the first part of this episode talks about an attempted suicide. If you want to skip over that, jump to around the six minute mark to hear the rest of Hero's story. Uh, I was personally excited when uh, I was born and uh, but I could even play the baseball, and I could ride a bicycle. But when I was 13 years old, I started losing slowly but surely uh, remain sight. And uh, when I was 16, I became totally blind. Uh, now I cannot see even light. I had to ask Doug, uh, is the sailing light on or not? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. And how was that for you at that time, age 16, and then becoming totally blind? It was very hard. You know, the, I was riding a bicycle. Uh, you know, I started bumping into things. And when I was playing baseball, I couldn't catch the ball and I couldn't hit the ball. My team members are, you know, teasing me or, you know, telling me, you want our, you know, enemy team to win. <laughs> I couldn't tell, you know, I'm losing my sight. And when my mom told me, you have to start using cane, and I throw it away. And uh, <laughs> I told her, I'm not blind, you know. I don't need to use this and throw it. And uh, I told her why you gave me birth, because, you know, I didn't want to live with, without sight. You know, try to put that toothpaste uh, on the toothbrush uh, with your eyes closed. It's very hard. And uh, when I put my toothpaste on, on my finger instead of toothbrush, you know, I thought, you know, that's it. I want to commit suicide. I don't want to live anymore. And how long did that kind of feeling last? 
Uh, I tried uh, commit suicide the, the, from the you know, try to jump off from the bridge uh, in Amakusa, the my hometown in Kyushu. But I couldn't do that. And uh, it was very scary. And the ocean was very scary. So I didn't do that. Uh, I took a nap in the park nearby the bridge. And uh, I got message. Uh, I think that was my uncle who died, you know, had died uh, two or three years up before that. And uh, you have to start living positive so that uh, a lot of people see me and they're gonna inspired and get uh, motivated and uh, you know you have to give power to them and you have to live positively and i started you know turn around and started thinking you know i can, uh, i i don't have to die i have to keep living well i'd say you've probably completed your goal in ending up being inspirational yeah, so I'm the, I'm saying my life is great now. So you know, up and down, up and down. The uh, sailing, uh, sailing across the Pacific is the same. You know, small version uh, of uh, life. You know, up and down, up and down. But my <laughs> life was down when I lost my sight. But now, you know, my life is great. After battling depression when he was first diagnosed as blind. Hiro found meaning for himself in helping and trying to inspire others. He set about challenging himself to do what any sighted person would do and, at the age of 35, found himself for the first time sailing in a dinghy off the coast of Chiba Prefecture with his wife. And uh, first it was very scary. <laughs> the small dinghy moves, mm-hmm. it moves around, the, you know, so, it, and if you go to different uh, parts it moves uh, bigger boat it doesn't move it, it, even you walk around mm-hmm. you know much but this small boat you know you know almost tips over and uh, i have to woo, you know <laughs> i have to t- change my weight you know to a different place and uh, ropes are uh, everywhere and i had i had to duck uh when we changed the cell uh, position so that i don't hit my head with a boom so and my wife don't that line and uh, <laughs> let it go that line you know i am a kyushu danji so i'm a, you know so i don't want to be controlled by wife right so so i don't i hate it first time but uh, and so she was she was guiding you through the whole process yeah yeah, yeah 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 so yeah but uh, i can after i came back uh, uh, thinking back and uh, i wanted to try again so Hiro kept sailing, becoming more and more experienced and joining the Japan Blind Sailing Association. Eventually, sailing small dinghies turned into sailing larger yachts, and when Hiro finally got a chance to sail offshore, delivering a yacht from Shikoku to Tokyo, he became hooked on the idea of pursuing a more ambitious project. And that was my first, you know, offshore kind of, you know, sailing and. Uh, I was not on the captain or anything. I was just riding. Mm-hmm. But I thought, oh, I realized or I experienced, you know, how wonderful sailing is. And uh, just with uh, with uh, wind, uh, we can go, you know, as far as we want. Yeah, so I thought, uh, I want to do sailing across the Pacific, you know, <laughs> uh, at that time. 
So, so you, you took saying, you took one journey and then you committed yeah. to the Pacific. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big jump. And I grew up in uh, in Amakusa Island in Kyushu, and so w- when I was a little too, you know, w- w- I was thinking, what's beyond this, you know, big uh, ocean sea? So spirit was already there, I think. But yeah, uh, really, I experienced with that delivering experience, you know. We can go as far as we want. For Hiro, as far as he wanted was all the way across the world's largest ocean, and he became fixated on that challenge. Little did he know, his chance would come all too soon, delivered to him through the pages of a popular Japanese yachting magazine. You know, there is a uh, Japanese magazine, a yachting magazine called Kaji, and there was an article about the... um, uh, sailing boat called Eolas, and Eolas did the uh, uh, sailing across the Pacific and uh, Atlantic oceans uh, with a uh, uh, comedian Kampesan, and he did uh, sailing uh, across the Pacific and Atlantic Ocean and running between so Earth Marathon oh, wow. they called it, and uh, Eolas was on the land at the Kamogawa Marina. And the article was asking, you know, if uh, somebody wants to do sailing across the Pacific and uh, if you want to make your dream come true, (laughs) send an email to the editors. And I was reading in San Diego and uh, I thought the article was written just for me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I still remember, you know, I was almost too excited and um, my fingers, uh, you know, shaking and typing to editors. And uh, uh, my name is Hiro Iwamoto, living in San Diego and totally blind sailor. And uh, (laughs) And I want to do do the sailing across the Pacific and I want to use Elas for this. (laughs) And, and, And... send that to yeah email to editors and, and, editors. and how, how did they respond when, when well the, uh, in the matter of fact the editor he thought that was joke or you know fake email you know so he did the background checking and uh, and he found out it's right you know story and <laughs> yeah so yeah editors uh, forwarded my email to uh, the owner of Eolas, Mr. Hickey, and he thought that was a great, you know, uh, great challenge. So, mm. And uh, I needed uh, the selling partner. So if pro- if I go with a professional, you know, sailor, it wouldn't have been, you know, as fun. So we started looking for a person who has less experience than mm. I have, and newscaster Shimbo, Mr. Shimbo, uh, was telling at that time uh, he wants to do sailing across the Pacific too. And Mr. Hickey uh, went to see Mr. Shimbo and uh, he said, that's exciting challenge, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) The disaster that awaited Hiro on that first attempt across the Pacific is coming up after this short break. Hey, Tom. Hey, Alyssa. Did you catch the most recent episode of Terrace House? Yeah, dude. And what'd you think? Well, Risako's bold gesture, it was like the red wedding, but like a mild red wedding, you know? It was a big deal. Yeah, my jaw dropped when it happened, and I usually don't react this way to the show. 
If you love Terrace House as much as we do, make sure to check out Japan Times online for episode recaps and commentary. And don't forget to leave your thoughts in the comments section. New posts come out every Friday just in time for weekend reads at www.japantimes.co.jp. Welcome back to Deep Dive and my conversation with Hiro Iwamoto, the first blind person to sail the Pacific non stop. We catch up with him as he tells us about his first attempt to cross the Pacific and the disaster that awaited him and his crew member, veteran newscaster Jiro Shimbo. Because of famous newscaster Shimbo, well, I think more than 1,000, almost 2,000 people uh, came to see us off in Fukushima. And that was high time of my life. And we left. And uh, it, it, beautiful day when we left, but uh, the uh, low pressure was chasing us and uh, typhoon uh, typhoon started coming. And, uh, and the sixth day, we had a collision with the whale. In the seven in the morning, uh, I heard boom, boom, boom three times, uh, banging, and uh, the right side of the boat, uh, starboard side, was uh, very uh, high, and left side was low. So I was listening carefully, and uh, I heard chopper, chopper, chopper. You know, the water was coming in some. With the training, I had a mental image of the all you know structure of the boat. So I took the floorboard out, and I stick my hand in, down into the bottom of the boat, and there, there you go. What I thought, the water was coming in from the ocean. So I woke him up, and uh, you know, scary part started. With water flooding into the stricken airlass, the pair bailed into a life raft and left the sinking yacht behind. They took little with them other than a GPS, satellite phone, food, water, and the SD cards out of their cameras, and spent the next 11 hours floating on the rough seas awaiting rescue. I don't think, you know, we got rescued that fast, so scary, but I started thinking, uh, I, I like meditation, so I started doing meditation and, and thankful for being uh, alive now. You know, the focus on now, attention now, you know, that helped me a lot. So Japanese uh, um, maritime, you know, self-defense force has a special airplane which can land on the water. First airplane came and making a circle, circle, circle. Uh, we got relieved a lot. <laughs> so, but they, uh, that sound went away. Uh, really? They can land uh, within uh, 10 foot waves, in the three meter but and at that time four meters and twelve foot and waves. So they're making a circle, circle, circle. They couldn't find uh, uh, the surface with a uh, ten foot waves, mm. and so they're running out their fuel. So they had to go back, and uh, the sound went went uh, went away, and uh, you know so sad and still you know. <laughs> And so sad and go fear again and uh, yeah and started meditation now again and and how far away from Japan were you at this point? Uh, the 1200 uh, k so it's about 800 yeah 800 miles, miles offshore wow. yeah from Japan side. So three uh, miracles saved us we say first the well hit our boat early in the morning, if uh, the whale had hit our boat middle of the night, 
I I can do the same you know action, but uh, I don't know the sighted symbol mm. could have done. <laughs> and uh, the second miracle is that if we had sailed one more day, they couldn't come to rescue us too far. Mm. So and. Uh, Third miracle is it happened June 21st, which was the summer solstice, the longest daytime. And the second airplane came and landed on the water five minutes before the sunset. So if, you know, uh, sun had gone down, you know, five minutes earlier, they couldn't land. So, yeah. So And, and what are the chances in the entire Pacific yeah. Ocean of yeah. actually hitting a whale. Because yeah. that's... <laughs> just yeah. Sounds yeah, yeah. So, so I hate horrible. it. Uh, I hate a whale. Why uh, you, you know, stop my dream, you know? <laughs> and uh, when I, uh, I got rescued and transferred to Atsugi Base, a lot of media were there, right? Mm. Media likes the, <laughs> you know, sad stories. So uh, I am totally blind, but even I, uh, almost, I could mm. see the flashlight, you know, that many people are there. So we landed 1030 uh, at night to Atsugi Base and shaka, shaka, shaka. <laughs> and, and we had a uh, uh, press conference. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a hard time. So, Six days ago, the things happened, incident happened. I was the highest time of my life. But six days later, boom, down, you know. Yeah, the lowest uh, um, of my life. I couldn't go sailing. Uh, I didn't want to be near the ocean even in San Diego. So what, what made you want to get back into sailing and, and have a second go at this challenge? Well, I've been doing motivational speech and uh, I have been uh, saying, you know, uh, never give up. I thought if I, mm, if I stopped, you know, challenging, it means uh, i not doing what I have been telling people. Mm. So uh, I wanted to live honest to what you say. When I lost my sight, I was very sad and I didn't want to live and I uh, even tried committing suicide. And, but I started uh, thinking there is a meaning on that, being blind. And so I started looking for a meaning of the incident a well hit our boat. And I started thinking, yes, this incident happened to make my future dream come true or make my future success a hundred times, a thousand times bigger. Future success, it means I have to re-challenge. So I have to, I started telling people, I want to do again, I want to do again, <laughs> sailing across the Pacific. And so Hiro turned his mind once more to that adventure. After the sinking of Aeolus in 2013, he had no boat and had lost all his gear. At this point, a difficult task seemed pretty much impossible, and many would have given up then. But Hiro was determined, much more than most, and in December 2016, he met the person who would help him turn his dream into reality. The man he calls his seeing eye Doug. Doug Smith. Doug, how much sailing had you done before you joined hero on this trip um none so i mean well but i mean 
So we met in December of 2016, um, and we had lunch, and I heard the story, and basically the lunch ended, look, I, I can see, you can say, oh, let's do this. And then uh, I started researching uh, what an appropriate boat would be for this and bought the boat in April of 2017 in San Diego and then started to learn to sail in June of 2017. And so between buying the boat and arriving in Japan, it was almost exactly two years to, to, the, to the day. So all of my sailing experience was after meeting, after deciding to, to do this. And in some ways, that was kind of the, the thinking behind it, you know, to marry my capabilities and, you know, uh, to organize the logistics of it uh, with his experience. So the way I, I sometimes explain it to people is like, you know, it's kind of a moonshot, right, to, to actually sail a third of the circumference of the planet nonstop. Mm. So I'll, I'll build the rocket and be kind of mission control, and, you know, we need the astronaut to... Yeah, so that, that that was the kind of the paradigm, if you will. And how did that feel putting kind of all the experience of the sailing into heroes? I mean, obviously very capable hands, but still it's a big it's a big trust. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's not like, uh, I mean, during that 18 months of, of training and practice I had, I was definitely studying and reading, uh, taking sailing lessons. Um, so I had a... I think a pretty reasonable training and intellectual knowledge of all of the, you know, the meteorology and how to sail a boat and, and stuff, but obviously only 18 months of experience. So, um, but in some ways when, when I heard the story as that that's one of the reasons I decided to do it. that first, you know, blind sailor, just the concept, right? And then <laughs> that he actually tried to sail across the Pacific and hit a whale and sank and wants to try again and f- has now found possibly the only person on the planet, right, where there is a match who has the capability of getting the boat, going on the voyage with him, and who doesn't know how to sail, right? And that, <laughs> you know, where he is truly the, the captain. I said, you know, th- this is meant to happen, right? <laughs> the fact that we're just sitting here having lunch and basically the, the lunch ended, so we're, we're, we're doing this, and we did. <laughs> the pair set to work, learning to sail together as a team on Dreamweaver, the yacht Doug had bought for their journey across the Pacific. For two years they practiced, in the meantime making all the necessary preparations for their voyage, until on February 24th, 2019, they were ready. They set out from San Diego Bay, first sailing south toward the equator, before turning west to catch the trade winds towards their destination, Japan. But first uh, a week, seven days, ten days, there was no wind, so we were struggling and uh, sailing boat, you know. A lot of people think that a storm or a big wind um, might be hard, but uh, also might be harder yeah, when it is no wind or less wind, we because we cannot, you know, keep going. We are floating around sometimes, you know, and uh, banging the booms uh, because uh, wa- waves are pushing us, and and the sail doesn't have a wind, so it's banging, banging, and uh, I can't sleep, and mentally tough. You mm. know? And uh, the closer we got to Japan, you know. And the low pressure and cold front 
we planned or well, we were expecting four or five, you know, low pressures, and but we end up <laughs> had ten or around ten in low pressures and cold fronts. So. In the Pacific, low pressure and cold fronts mean storms are plenty, and the pair spent much of their crossing battling against huge waves and powerful winds that sought to put another early end to Hero's quest. Uh, when we had that trade wind, it was boat was flat and smooth ride, uh, signs shining. We thought, this is the reason we're trying <laughs> this. But closer to the Japan and bang, 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 you know, the, almost the, the, we thought, the, you know, the sound almost you know, we think the dream weaver our dream weaver yacht uh, might break down <laughs> i don't want to rescue again you know i know i don't want to get rescued again i don't want to transfer life raft again i was thinking that way but <laughs> again you know i started thinking thank you dream weaver and um, the five meter waves from Top of the waves to the bottom of the waves, 10 meters. So mm. if you are standing on the fourth floor looking down the ground like that. So tips uh, uh, tipped 45 degrees, um, 10 meters from up to the bang, bang, right? You cannot walk. You have to hold with a, both hand, holding yourself, walking and, uh, and if, uh, you know, timing Next step, when and where, you know, inside the, uh, inside the boat, it was hard. I almost cried, and uh, why uh, am I doing this? And, and, and but, how long would these storms go on for, typically? It uh, depends on the, uh, but uh, sometimes 10 hours and 12 hours, and the peak was just a few hours, but even that, it was very hard. But uh, on the other hand, Dreamweaver was going, going, going with uh, big waves and big winds. In weather both fair and foul, Hero and Doug's crossing would take them a total of 55 days, each taking turns to do four-hour shifts to keep the boat in order and on its westward course. In four hours, we start at uh, four-hour shift. Uh, four hours, four hours, four hours. And, but in uh, the middle of the night, when the wind picks up, even you are sleeping, you have to get up to make the cell cells smaller because of that two person job. So I woke him up when we need it, and he woke me up and and sleep lack of sleep that was hard, you know. And on the watch time, I I listening to the direction and boat direction with the iPhone, it talks, you know, so uh, 275, 275, 273, <laughs> that makes me very sleepy, but, <laughs> but I have to get up uh, and I, you know, pinch myself and, uh, you know, to keep being awake. And uh, so, so what kind of special gear do you have to, um, to allow you to sail? Uh, iPhone mostly I used the the special apps called Ariadne uh, GPS uh, for visually impaired uh, navigation system. Um, blind people are using to get to a certain restaurant or you know those or their place they want to go. But for me, uh, they read the headings uh, and uh, speed. 
So I use that uh, uh, middle of the Pacific, yeah. Navigating the Pacific is one challenge, but whales and the occasional shipping container aside, there is actually very little to hit or crash into. For Hiro, who is unable to see even the smallest amount of light, navigating Dreamweaver with no visual cues was perhaps an even greater challenge, going by feeling and his memory of the yacht alone. For me, feeling is uh, crucial, the only thing. So I feel the diameter of the rope and how smooth or rough or how flexible those ropes are and those and where those ropes are coming from, which winch and the rope is coming from. Mm-hmm. I make a mental image of the bow. So first I bump into the shroud, which is the wire holding the you know, mast, and I bump into several times and start bleeding from my forehead, and I crack that. I have to go put my head inside, going to, going to the bow, you know, slowly but surely, but a rough image I can do is, uh, with uh, sailing a few times, but too precise, you know, took a few months. So everything takes time, but, uh, you know, it's capable. Or, you know, people has a big, you know, potential. Uh, so I always say, don't limit yourself. You know, limitation is just in your brain. So when I lost my sight, I couldn't put the toothpaste in the, the tooth, on the toothbrush, but slowly training, training, training. Uh, I could do that and like that. So small step. If you keep going, keep training, and if you have a passion, what you want to do, and, uh, you know, yeah, uh, no limitation. So how did you feel when um, you knew you were in reach of Japan and that you'd almost made it to your destination? Uh, I thought, you know, I'm so happy. I am the happiest person in the world, life is wonderful, you know, and I'm so glad I didn't stop, uh, you know, last two times when I lost my sight and uh, when I had a collision with the well. Mm-hmm. And keep going, keep going, keep challenging. I'm so lucky, I thought, you know, I'm so glad I did. And I know as part of this journey, you're, you used it as a fundraiser for a couple of uh charities am i correct yes could you tell me a bit about those we have been supporting still so i want you i want to encourage listeners to go to our website voyageofinspiration.com there is a uh, four organizations we are supporting uh, himalayan catalog and uh, you know trachoma foundation those are prevention of being blind and uh, challenged athlete foundation based on San Diego, uh, supporting uh, the disabled people uh, in the world for so that they can they can challenge uh, any sports and the Safecast, which uh, the monitoring the you know radiation level uh, you know personal level. So we did those, and yeah, those uh, four organizations we are supporting. Well, Hiro and Doug, thank you so much for coming in today and uh, joining us. Thank you for having us.
To learn more about Hero's journey and the charities he's supporting, visit voyageofinspiration.com. The link will be in the episode description. Hero and Doug will also appear in a documentary on NHK BS1 at 10 p.m. on June 30th if you'd like to see the pair in action. You've been listening to Deep Dive with me, Oscar Boyd. If you like this episode, please do share it with someone you think might enjoy it. You can also find more episodes of Deep Dive on all good podcasting platforms. I'm talking iTunes, I'm talking Spotify, even Google Podcasts for the two people out there who use it. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to brighten up your rainy season with new episodes. Until then, thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, I had a scone and coffee and uh, yeah, came back, came here. And uh, how does that differ to your typical breakfast on a boat? Uh, on the boat, on the boat, uh, I had a coffee also, and uh, canned bread. So canned what bread, say. yeah, <laughs> canned bread, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good though. You know, I thought that's a uh, canned bread is more drier, or you know, doesn't taste good. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind me saying. Yeah. yeah.